When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, the milestone has finally been hit. Jack Johnson has scored another goal for the Avalanche, his second goal in four games with the Avs. I mean, we, we've been waiting for this one for a long time. He went like, what, 150-something-plus games without a goal, and now he's got two. There's nothing else to talk about, really, on this episode. So how, how are we feeling about Jack Johnson getting hot going into the playoffs? He low-key has a chance to get to five. Low key. And uh, that seemed like, yeah, that seemed like an enormous uh, milestone for Jack Johnson. But uh, yeah, he he gets his second goal. uh, Very Curtis McDermott-ish where he literally just shot it off a Sharks player uh, and it went in the net. But Jack Johnson, two goals, potentially the hottest goal scorer. He's scored more goals recently than Miko Rantanen has. So just take that into account. Yeah. I mean, who who really is the better goal scorer? What is Jack Johnson's shooting percentage this year? I would have to find it, but I imagine it's incredibly high because he's just a natural goal. Scorer. And he misses the net a lot. So, yeah, I mean, so like it's, how, it's... how many shots is he really getting on goal? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's 2.4%, which uh, is higher it, than I thought. It's lower than his career average. So <laughs> it's still gotta, time, man. It's What's still his career gonna, average, like five. It's like 4.7. So it's still <laughs> going to start going back up according to, to regression and percentages and all the other fancy math talks. But anyway, to the topic at hand, the Avalanche clinch a playoff spot with a 4-3 to overtime win over the San Jose Sharks, and Nathan McKinnon finally, finally hits 100 points on the overtime winner. He picks himself up a three-point night, and after everything that's gotten in the way in the past with injuries, literal world-shutting-down pandemics, finishing with 99 Finally, the guy just hits 100 points, can finally call Nathan McKinnon not pretty much a 100-point player. He is a 100-point player. Is a 100-point player. Uh, Of all years, I would not have expected to be this year. If you told me he was going to miss 12 games, I would have said, yeah, he's going to finish at 95 again. Like That's just how it's going to be. But he is, I think Drew tweeted out the stat. He's like third in points per game this year. Um, He may even be second. 
He may be he, second. I... He's he's at third behind McDavid and Drysaddle, and even strength, he's above Drysaddle. Yeah, like it is a truly incredible season, and Nathan McKinnon won't be a finalist for the heart, uh, but he should be. He he won't be because he missed twelve games. Because what you think if he plays those twelve games and he plays at an average, he'd be at what like one thirty five ish pace. Actually, quick correction: I was wrong about the the even strength points thing. Even strength points per game. He's ahead of McDavid. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, he's, he's been, he's, he's been at, unreal this year. Yeah, he's at sixty nine, nice even strength points in sixty five games. McDavid's at seventy one, even strength points in seventy eight games. So Nathan McKinnon is the top even strength point scorer in the NHL this season. Yeah, he's he's had an unreal year. He's not going to be a finalist for the heart just because he missed those games. Um, twelve games. I, I know, but those twelve like, games has Pasternak yeah. even missed a game this year? I don't think he has. Yeah. Like it's going to be the finalist for the heart should be McDavid. I would argue Allmark should be a finalist just because of what he's doing in goal. Um, and then throw in Pasternak or Robertson. I think those are your, are your top three. I think this is one of the deepest heart pools we've seen. It's a shame that the conversation is just not interesting because McDavid's unanimous right. MVP. If you're voting anyone else, number one, you're trying to be different and you're trying to be weird and get attention. It is McDavid, but second, I mean, I think you could throw Matthew Kachuk in there if the yep. Panthers end up making the playoffs. I'd throw Jack Hughes into that mix as well. Nathan Hughes missed too many games. Yeah, that might be a thing as well, but I still think when he's played, he's been that important for the Devils. Same story for McKinnon. We were talking about Rantanen for so many months and how important he's been to this team. If the Penguins still end up making it, Crosby is going to get on ballots. He's not going to probably get nominated, but he's going to get on some ballots. Well, without a doubt, he will. It, that's just the it's the legacy thing for him. But yeah, it's a shame because Nathan McKinnon's having an unreal season, and if he would just would have like, and you can't say just would have stayed healthy, like twelve games in the in an eighty-two game season is not that much to miss. Um, but that's going to come back to bite him in the ass because I don't think McDavid's missed a game this year, has he? I don't think so. He's played 78 games. I believe yeah. the Oilers have four games left, so yep. he has not missed a game. I mean, another guy, like Nikita Kucherov is 106 points, and like I don't think anyone has ever brought that up at any point this season that Nikita Kucherov's been playing this well. I mean, it's a deep heart race. It's a shame because like, McKinnon might not even get nominated. He might not even make the top three, which is a shame because he's been – so lights out and you could tell when he scored that overtime winner there was a little extra celebration behind that oh, yeah. they act like this stuff doesn't matter to them like all these milestones like yeah they'd be nice you can tell the hundred point thing has bothered him for a while like remember when he was at 99 that last game of the season the, the year he should have won mvp and th they're just feeding him that puck over and over he just couldn't get it he was pissed after that game Without a doubt. I mean, it, it's it's a milestone. Uh, for anyone not named Connor McDavid, getting to 100 points is pretty badass. Uh, Connor McDavid just makes it look so much easier than it actually is. So it, it's a huge milestone in hockey, and it should have been celebrated. And you're exactly right. The players will say, oh, they don't mean anything. It's all about the team. But they're human beings. Like, they, they, they know. Uh, and that little, that celebration was the most celebration we've seen from McKinnon since we won the Cup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this, this is the kind of stuff that gets factored in at the end of your career. 50 goal seasons, 100 point seasons, awards, cups. Like these are the kind of things that affect your legacy. No one talks about 99 point seasons 
And when it comes time, well, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't count. It's not 100 points. And when it comes time at the at the end of a career with time to get on the Hall of Fame ballot, you count up number 100 point seasons, 50 goal seasons, all the other milestones and everything like this stuff matters to these guys and it matters to hit them. And it was great to see Nathan McKinnon finally be able to do that. Not that there was really any question with the way he's been playing the last little while. He was going to get it, but it feels good to see the triple digits on there. Yeah, it feels really good. And I I honestly thought in this game, McKinnon passed up like five or ten shots that he normally would take just trying to get the puck to Miko. Um, and the abs almost got caught in this game, like playing with your food too much because they dominated this game. They did. Like it shouldn't have been this close, but they played with their food and they were just trying to get Miko. Miko had what, 15 shots on goal or yeah, attempts yeah, in this 15 game? shot attempts, rang one off the post in the first <laughs> period. He's looking for 50. He's probably still going to get it, but we're still sitting at 49 right now. Like they, they were feeding him that puck and the Sharks, they're an NHL team with NHL players. If you get caught out there chasing milestones, they're, you're going to see exactly what happened in the third period in this game. You're going to see exactly that. So we got one milestone checked off. I imagine we'll get the second one today by the time you're listening to this. I, I think Miko's going to score in the game uh, this evening. So it's going to happen. And Miko still has an outside shot at 50 or 100 points as well. He's at 94 now after last night's game, 94, yeah, he, 95. He picked up a couple of assists. He's at 94. We have six games left. He needs to be a point per game in the last six games. So if he has another big night against the Sharks, and we have another game against the Ducks too, yeah, there's a real shot he can get to 100 as well. It's a real shot. So, I mean, you could have 200-point scores on your team, which would be... For, for a team that hasn't had one since Joe Sackick, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty solid. So, I guess that begs the question, who is more of the MVP this year? Is it Nathan McKinnon or... For the team, is it Nathan McKinnon or is it Miko Rantanen? I just think with the way McKinnon has taken over games when he's been at his best, it has to be McKinnon. Not see, I'm opposite. We actually disagree on something. I, oh. I think it's Miko. I, see. Um, I don't know what to do now. I don't know either. This is strange news are, for us. Are you, I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. I, Present the, your... the reason why I think it's Miko is because Miko kept this team afloat in December uh, and January. Has McKinnon been the better player Overall, yes, but most valuable, I'd give it to Miko because without him, who knows where we, we probably aren't clinching a playoff spot at no. this point if it's not for Miko Rantanen no. uh, and what he's done this year. Um, and he's going to end up with if he gets 50 points and or 50 goals and 100 points like that's that's pretty fucking good year. Um, so I think I would lean Miko personally, but that's just that's just where I am just because I remember those dark days in December and January. Yeah, I mean, I look at it in the opposite way of when McKinnon goes out, we're looking at Rantanen to pick up that slack. Whereas if it's the opposite, we're just expecting McKinnon to stay the same. And also McKinnon's played 11 less games and hit 100 points first. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's a very incredibly simplified way of looking at it. But Nathan McKinnon just has that dominance in him. Miko Rantanen is the better goal scorer. I don't think there's any question about that. But Nathan McKinnon is just a different breed of, of dominant that takes over games that not to say that Miko Ranton can't do, he does it several times, but McKinnon at this point in the season year over year is just running over guys on the regular. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think we've seen from Miko this year, like he has that in him and he can take over games when he wants to. I think it's honestly, though, when McKinnon's on the ice, it's hard to have two of those players on the ice at the same time. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's why and it's why they're both so good because they right. have each other. Right, so that's just me personally. I, I'd go Miko, you'd go McKinnon. I don't think either of us are wrong. I just think it's uh, it's a matter of, of choice. Um as you can see from this, there's this game was against the Sharks was a game. Uh, the Avs, like I said earlier, I, I thought they dominated large portions of this game. And all of a sudden in the third period, we're looking at a, a tie game. And I was just like, what the fuck's going on here, man? Yeah, the first period of this game, the Avalanche are up two to nothing in the first seven minutes. Like you're you're thinking this is going to be another six one outing where they're just running over an inferior team. No one will ever say that they're just waiting for the playoffs to start. But when you're playing the Sharks, when the playoffs start in less than two weeks, your adrenaline's not going to be there in this game. They're chasing milestones as much as they they'll say that they're not. They are Miko. Oh, it was so obvious. They were yeah. like Miko ranted and does not get 15 shot attempts in a game. Normally, right? Like that, like that's not an accident. Like they're, they're trying to get Miko to 50 and the sharks for some reason. And towards the end of the season have actually been a lot better than they've been all year and are catching a lot of teams off guard. And the avalanche in the third period were bad. Like they just were not there. And the sharks were, were pushing them back in their own zone. Yeah, they, it was it was just such a weird, weird game because I really didn't hate a lot of the things the Avs did in this game. It's just they gave up a lot of odd man rushes, a lot of them. Georgiev made saves on a couple of them, and the Sharks just being bad helped out a little bit too. Um, but you could tell that the Avs in that third period, they thought that the, the Sharks were going to quit and that they were dead uh, after that McKinnon goal late in the second. But they, they came out, and the Sharks played – decent i wouldn't say they played great i just thought the abs played down to their competition yeah i think a big part of it is the defense in this game sucked yeah and a big part of that is that kale mccarr did not play in this game because of i guess general maintenance they've been talking about this for the last little while we've known about the thing with his knee for the last little bit since detroit darren helm did not play in this game either another just maintenance they talked about this even when he did come back that they're probably going to do this towards the end of the season and the defense really struggled in this game to the point where Jack Johnson, I think was unanimously the best defenseman in this game, or at least the guy who I noticed the least mistakes from. Yeah. Yeah. I I was trying to think of a, like a player who had a better game. Defense. I mean, Devon Taves was good. I, I think there were a couple mistakes on his part with some puck handling. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Bo Byram was okay, but he had a lot of turnovers in his own zone. It seemed like, Bo got bailed out by a couple of things. Yeah. Game. Like we could have been talking about this game. Like this might've been the worst one of Bo's career, but he like just got his stick on a couple of things at the last second that stopped several odd man rushes. That's yeah. the thing about Bo is he's very good at reacting to a lot of his mistakes, but he still makes them occasionally. Yeah. He's not perfect. And that's why he needs Josh Manson yeah. and not Jack Johnson out there. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, Jack Johnson was solid. He gets a goal in this game. Uh, Evan Rodriguez gets moved back up to the top line again. He gets a goal in this game. Uh, the only other player we need to score or see score before the end of the year is Alex Newhook. Like it seems like every other player is kind of getting in their groove. Uh, Rodriguez gets that one. That was just a beautiful rebound play. Like 
yeah. there wasn't much to that. He's just in the right spot, sticks in the right place, and ends up in the net. Um, it was a very Arturi Lekkinen-esque goal. Yeah, right, right after Rantanen rings one clear yeah. close though. Good one of the prettiest moves goal. you'll see Miko make and just wasn't somehow he it's supposed. Just yeah. just wasn't the night for 50 for some reason. But at least he got something on the board after that. And it's good it's good to see that Erod's picking it back up again yeah. right before the playoffs. Because I mean it's it was kind of the same thing in Pittsburgh last year where he was in much hot, much hotter than this to start the season, but trailed off towards the end and started to to pick it back up in the playoffs so it's good to at least see Erod still producing that way yeah and that goal I think that what was that his 14th or 15th this year that was his 15th of the year 15th so I mean that's that's positive things I mean he's he's playing good I mean obviously when you're playing with McKinnon and Rantanen it's uh pretty easy to be forgotten out there as a uh as a third player but you have to take advantage of those opportunities so you can't just luck your way into goals he was in the right spot at the right time um so it gives the Avs an early 2-0 lead. Go into the second period. Um, the Sharks get one. Uh, I believe it's Kevin LeBanc, if I remember right. The yeah. first one is was Kevin LeBanc, yeah. Yeah, Kevin LeBanc. I, I don't know. I don't really blame Georgie for that one. No, like, I, uh, I mean, this was a bad pinch by Devontae's. Yeah, and it resulted in, yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought Georgiev was solid in this game. Um, the third one I didn't love, but also I think he was putting a – a tough spot. So I, I can't really blame him for that one. Um, I mean, I thought Georgiev in this game, big reason why we ended up. Winning. Oh yeah. Even He's probably the biggest reason why. Yeah. First, the, before the first goal for the Sharks by LeBanc, there was a huge stop he had on, on Zetterland. I believe it was, where he just got across to keep the Sharks off the board and, and getting ahead of ourselves. The save he made in overtime on the two on O. He made the, that look so much easier than it actually was. Like I he was, just read that play perfectly. I was preemptively upset. Oh yeah, I closed my like, eyes. I was, I was like, like, "God fucking damn it, we lost this game." I was, I was literally like, "Oh my fucking god, here we go." This is how it. Oh, okay. Thanks, George. Appreciate <laughs> that one, but thanks. Yeah, no, that save was ridiculous. Like it, he made it look a lot easier than it actually was. Um, but the funny part is, is even as good as Georgiev was, I don't think he was the best goalie last night. I think Kakadin was. On another fucking level last night, making some saves. We're probably talking about another Ducks game or a lot of the games we've had against bad teams lately where the Avs score six if if Kako Kakinen's not making the the type of saves he's making in this game. Yeah, like the uh, the biggest ones I think are like early in that second period where I believe he robbed Nachushkin on a deflection in front. And then it might have been Miko uh, later, like a minute later and made two great. No, it was JT. Uh, He robbed both of them with just great sliding saves um, kept that game at two, nothing. Yeah. That, and, and the, the second power play that we had in, oh, in the second period was great. Our shooting was not probably the best power play we've had all year, but at least very close, but yeah. Kakin and he stood tall for the sharks. Again, the only reason this game was not completely out of hand by the third period. And he, he made some massive saves. Uh, like I think about that one too, how he robbed Morgan at very end of that second period. Those two saves, like those were just unreal saves. And Georgiev had a couple of them, but Capo Kakinen was just unreal last night, um, and legitimately the only reason why this game wasn't a blowout. So fortunately, uh, was still victimized by Nathan. Yeah. in this game towards the end of the second period, it was a great win by JT Comfer. On the faceoff, Taze to Rantanen off the wall, finds McKinnon for the one-timer, which just got through Kakinen 
for a, what turned out to be a huge three to one lead in this game going into the second period. And the the stakes coming in this game, it's worth mentioning that because of Vegas's loss to or how, how does it work? Nashville. It was Calgary's loss. Calgary's Calgary. loss to Chicago. So yeah, it was, I only remember the Nashville one. It was Calgary loss to Chicago in regulation, which embarrassing. So the Avs only needed a point to clinch a playoff spot. And they're going into the third period of this game up three to one. And so you only need one. And thank God for that, because this third period was a mess. It, it wasn't the Avs' best period. I mean, it, San Jose, I'll give them credit. Their forecheck all night long was tremendous. Like they, they were forechecking the shit out of the Avs, and it caused a lot of a lot of turnovers for the Avs uh, in in this game. And then the third period it got magnified. Yeah, and didn't help that Curtis McDermott, who came into the lineup to I don't want to say to replace Kale McCarr, but because we don't have a lot of other defensemen after this, McCarr's out. McDermott comes in. Just takes a bad offensive zone penalty that puts the the Sharks on the power play. And I believe Jacob Peterson was left all alone. And all of a sudden, you've got a game. Yeah, all of a sudden. It, it was a very quick change. Like it, That was the only penalty the Avs took all night. And it proved to be very costly because, yeah, the, the Sharks score on that. Um, didn't love the PK. I, it was interesting. I, I thought it was interesting. Gerard was out there with Taves to start. I would have expected Eric Johnson or Jack Johnson. Maybe they had taken a shift beforehand. Um, that's personally who I would have expected in there. But uh, yeah, they just lose a guy right in the middle. Like, I don't know how he got so wide open. Nothing your gift can do. And all of a sudden it's three, two. Yeah. It's one goal game at that point. It's still a lot of time to go in the third period. All the momentum's on the shark side. And doesn't take a lot of time for them to tie this game back up. Only 81 seconds later, Byram gets caught out on a bad shift, gets beat to the puck. And LeBanc wins the battle with Sam Girard in front of the net, turns and fires it over Georgiev's glove. I feel like very similarly the Clayton Keller goal. Like this is just a shot you're not expecting and also not expecting it to be this good of a shot. It is on Sam Girard to, to win that battle and clear that out. But be, of course, because it is Sam Girard, you have to justify his existence, even though Gerard always gets put on the highlight reel. He was far from the worst defenseman in this game. Like he did not have a great night, but really outside of Jack Johnson, no one on defense really did. Yeah. No one really had a good night. And I mean, it, it this whole play gets started because Bo Byram can't get the puck out of the zone. Like it, it kind of puts Gerard in a in a tough spot. So um if I had a gripe with Georgiev, that would be it. I, I didn't love his play on that, but who cares? He he made up for it in twofold with that saving overtime. So um it's three three. The way Kakanen was playing, I, I just I was terrified, man. I, I thought the Sharks were going to score and win this game in regulation. Yeah. I really did. Because I was there was still 13 minutes left to play, yeah. and the Sharks had been all over us. And to this point, I'm like you just need a point to clinch a playoff spot at this point. I'll be happy about that. I mean, in the third period kind of stayed the in Sharks control the rest of the way. Georgiev had to make some big stops. They're still looking for, for Rantanen at this point as well, but you get to the end of the period and clinch a playoff spot with a point. Couldn't say I was feeling that good going into overtime. This game screamed like eight round shootout loss, but thankfully 
The overtime was surprisingly exciting somehow. I was not expecting that. It was a great overtime against the Sharks, but. Well, I wouldn't say great. The first like minute and a half was reminiscent of the Seattle where the Sharks just skated with the puck in the neutral zone. Like the first minute and a half was was shit, but the last 45 seconds were pure chaos. Yeah. And then right before the abs, when we talked about LeBanc and Jacob McDonald, Gets a two on zero on Georgiev. Georgiev makes a great read and robs LeBanc of the hat trick and goes down the other way. A terrible Eric Carlson turnover to Devontae's. Eric Carlson's just trying to get 100 at this point. He does not give a shit, and I don't blame him. Turns it right over to Devontae's, sets the stage to Nathan McKinnon, and makes a beautiful play on the glove where he he totally thinks Kakinen or fakes Kakinen to thinking he's going to shoot blocker side and goes glove right over him. Almost has like a shockingly amount of net. For how great Kakinen played in this game, he gave McKinnon a lot of room to work with on this shot. And Nathan McKinnon wins it with his 100th point of the season for the first time in his career. The Avs win 4-3. to three. And for the first time seemingly in forever, on their own accord, the Avs move into first place in the Central. They, they've, like, backed their way in the first place a couple of times because of some other results. But this is the first time since, like, October that they have actually taken first in the Central because of a win. Yeah, it it was very cathartic in that experience but like to see him at the top because yeah. it has been a long road I, I think i saw a stat it was like january 1st we were in sixth place in the central mm-hmm. um and then three months later we're in first like the job's not done obviously but you have a pretty favorable schedule coming down the road like you you should be able to take care of business um and at least maintain like you should, by the end of this week, be at a hundred weekend, be at like 102, maybe even 103 points. Yeah, because I mean, we're, we're at right now at 98. You win against the Sharks again on Thursday or today. By the time you're listening to this, you're at 100 points and you're going into the weekend with a back to back of L.A. and Anaheim. Even if you lose to L.A., you should still be coming out of this weekend with 102 points. Yeah, minimum. Like it, it's It's going to be. It's a favorable schedule. You have the opportunity. The Central Division has basically been gifted to you because of, like, I wouldn't say gifted. Minnesota's been playing some good hockey, but Dallas struggling really uh, gave Minnesota and Colorado a chance. So, like, Dallas has really underratedly blown this. I mean, we were talking in January. It was like, we're 14 points back. Yeah. Like, was it even more than that? Like, after Chicago or something? Weren't we like a good, like, 15? It might have been. I almost want to say like 20. Or something. I don't think it was that much, but coming out of the All Star break, we were a good eleven points behind. And we were talking with Evan about like, do you think they make it? And we were all of us were on the same page, kind of like, I don't think so, man. And it's not not even just been us. Winnipeg has fallen out of this conversation entirely, which was Dallas's main competition, and they're still going to lose it to two other teams because us in Minnesota have been so great since the All Star break, and Dallas has been good. They like they haven't been great, but they've they've been good, I guess. They've been wow. mediocre. Yeah, like they're they're I I don't know. Like it's just been like I don't even know if I call Dallas a collapse as much as Win- Winnipeg is a collapse. Yeah, Winnipeg Dallas has just, just kind of been. Yeah, Dallas as, has been kind of steadline. Yeah, as we're talking right now, Winnipeg just lost to Calgary. Yeah, a massive game where Calgary lost last night to Chicago. Winnipeg could have buried them tonight. 
Now, all of a sudden, they're tied. And Winnipeg is in serious danger of missing the playoffs. Both teams are now at 89 points right now. I believe the Jets have tiebreaker at the moment because of, I guess, tiebreaker. Games played. Games played. They have four games left. Calgary only has three. But Winnipeg very well can miss this thing as we were talking about. That's a collapse. Dallas has just been mediocre. And it's very funny that Winnipeg still has more wins than Dallas. <laughs> Which is so funny. So unbelievably hilarious that if they do end up getting passed by Calgary as it stands right now, they have seven more wins. Like that that seems a little unfair that Calgary has 12 more loser points and they're going to get in. Or I'm sorry, six more wins. It hasn't updated yet. But yeah, six more wins than Calgary right now for Winnipeg. And Dallas has the second least amount of wins or least amount of wins period. Cause I guess Seattle won last night yep. of any playoff team in the West right now. They have 42 and Seattle right now is at 43. It's just so weird because they still technically like they have more regulation wins than the abs. So basically the reason why we're having this laugh is because if they were even halfway decent in overtime, they would have this division locked yeah. up. <laughs> well, cause yeah, they have 35 regulation wins. The abs of 32, the abs have 40 regulation overtime wins and the stars of 39. So the the stars just do not win games in overtime and shootouts. If anything, they've only won four on the entire season while the Avs have won eight. The the stars could do anything in the extra session. They would be comfortably winning this. And where do you remember? I I think it was the second year the Avs made the playoffs and they lost to San Jose in the second round. I think the Avs legitimately had like 19 overtime losses. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like it was crazy. They could not play three on three. Yeah. What we were ahead of Arizona just purely because we drag games to overtime and yeah. time and time again. I think it was, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot. I, I remember being like I'm 19. Sure I can, you can go back on the standings, wasn't it? Yeah. That was 18, 19, wasn't it? Yes. And we had 14 overtime losses and Arizona had eight and we were ahead of Arizona by four points. So Arizona <laughs> had one more win than we did. But we lost more games in overtime, so we hit 90 points. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Like it, it's just it, it's it's weird. Um I, I think there probably are more instances of teams that get screwed by the loser point and we just don't even notice it. No. But since it's happening in the West, we're like, oh, this is crazy. Cause in my opinion, like Calgary and Winnipeg both, like Calgary's had the worst luck this year. Winnipeg, I think, is like they got off to such a hot start. But if you think about it, like Calgary, I think is the superior team. Probably. I mean, if Markstrom could just give them a save, if he they, gives them what he gave them tonight, they have a good yeah, chance. Yeah, like they're going. It's so funny because Markstrom last night was terrible. Yeah. Like just handed the Blackhawks a win, basically. And today he's excellent. And Winnipeg, I think maybe this is just what we can expect out of the Jets at this point. They always are going to start the season hot because of Connor Hellebuck. Then they ride him into the ground. And the second he comes back down to pedestrian, they're not going to do anything. And Josh Norrissey. Uh, oh, shoot. Sorry. Morrissey. Uh, that, that was fun. Remember that? The Josh yeah. Norrissey. Uh, that was fun. Uh, he's probably never going to have a season like this again. Like, I think I think what he's been doing in the second half of the season is more likely of what we'll see from Josh Morrissey going forward. Because that's what he's been his entire career before the first 40 and, games of this and year. And to be fair, the second half of the season for Morrissey has still been really good. And yeah. if he continues like that the rest of his career, still going to be a very good defenseman. But the fact that you have wasted that season from him 
and this season from Connor Hellebuck, they're done. Even even if they do manage to back their way into the playoffs and play probably Vegas in round one or Edmonton, because that's probably the Pacific division is probably going to get the top spot in the West. They're going to get absolutely run over. They're going to get run over. But do you like, like, I think Winnipeg and Washington are very similar teams in the fact that they're an aging core and Winnipeg, their star players did not score for like 14 straight games. Like it was a brutal run. Washington's kind of the same way, but Washington was smart and at least punted on the season and got some assets back. Winnipeg is going to be in a much worse scenario at the end of this year because they did nothing. They they were buyers at the deadline, which at the time of the deadline, you probably yeah, should have. To be fair, they were still top three come trade yeah. deadline. There was really not much evidence that maybe they were going to take a little bit of a step back. I think both of us said, like, yeah, they might fall into a wild card spot. I don't think any of us predicted, like, this team's going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. And Washington, you can definitely make the argument that injuries derailed the entire season. Laviolette's not been the a good fit at coach for this team. If they can take a step back in the off season and get the eighth overall pick could even be two or one. They have a 6% chance for both of those. And they managed to turn this season into getting a top 10 pick and Rasmus Sandin out of it. And all rumors out of Washington are like, this team's going to do some shit this off season, like some big, big stuff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the jets and the caps end up finding a way to work together this off season and make some moves together. Maybe even Nate Schmidt coming back home. baby. Honestly, I wouldn't (laughs) hate that. I think Nate Schmidt hates playing in Canada. Trade him for John Carlson and you'll be happy. Yeah. Team's been better since Carlson came back. I will admit, but Kuznetsov's probably not coming back to that team next year. There's going to be, that would be the meanest thing ever to send him to Winnipeg though. That would be so mean. Probably, but yeah, that's been there for a long time. We've seen what that's done to him. (laughs) beautiful beautiful bright boy nate schmidt i have not seen him smile in years (laughs) but um did you have any other thoughts about the avs sharks first game other than mckinnon got 100 uh if you play with your food long enough it's gonna come back to bite you in the ass um i appreciate the fact the avs went for it with miko trying to give him 50 it's gonna come naturally for him um He's gonna he's gonna get one yeah. before the end of the season. He's and gonna get one. That's all. But oh, we we almost skipped over it. It looked like Miko got hurt in this game. Like I legitimately for a second, I think I texted you saying I yeah. think he broke a finger. Yeah, you're like, dude, he broke his finger. What the fuck? And yeah. he was definitely shaken after he got low and seemed like he blocked a shot off of his hand. He took a shot in the third period of his own and seemed like he was kind of ginger on it as well. He, he didn't strap the ice. Yeah. He didn't miss a shift, so he didn't break anything. But I don't, maybe well, no news has come out today. Yeah, so that's good. So nothing has happened that we know of with him. He might have just gotten the stinger, but it's also just that was after we blew the lead at that point. Seriously, it's a fucking nightmare. nightmare. Get us out of here. It's a late night nightmare. Oh my god! Like the, that game starts at ten thirty for me. It's one in the morning at that point. I'm watching them blowsly. Like I just want to go to bed man i don't want to do this right now i don't have the capacity to be angry and then miko getting like potentially hurt that was that was scary for a second but good news is we haven't heard anything today at least like with lekanen we found out like right after the game yeah i mean he left during the game i think you could probably piece together i mean it's not hard to figure out if your finger's broken they they just grab be like yep that bone's (laughs) gone 
They figured it's, it out in the. It's disintegrated. <laughs> yep. Like, yep. Can you move it? Nope. Okay. No bone. So there's no news on Ranson, and I'm taking that as good news. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. We've already seen plenty of upsets happen so far in March Madness as we reach the Sweet 16. All the more reason to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly win or lose only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details now back to the episode we've kind of just brushed over Cal McCarr not playing in this game I'm not too surprised by it based on what happened in Detroit where he just seemed uncomfortable and the last couple of games he's just seemed off he just hasn't seemed very comfortable we talked about Minnesota where his skating just looked off, didn't it? Yeah, and was now, it Dallas where he left the bench for like a little bit? I think so. Yeah. Now we're down to this point in the season where you've got important games left. You're trying to chase the division. you got six games left. Is it more important to play Kale McCarr and just force him to push through so you can get that top spot? Or do you rest him and risk getting a second or even a three seed? I know how I feel, but I want to see how you feel. Yeah, I a healthy Kale McCarr is the most important thing in my opinion. Like the team, the good news is, is we aren't facing these juggernauts of teams. Like you can beat San Jose and Anaheim without Kale McCarr. Do I think we can beat LA without Kale McCarr? Eh, We'll see. Edmonton. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Edmonton, no chance, (laughs) but a healthy Kale McCarr is the reason you can win a Stanley cup. If he's hurt or banged up, it's it's just not he's not the same player right it's like what are you what are you valuing more avoiding minnesota or dallas in round one and having home ice in round two or a healthy kale mccarr the i think a healthy kale mccarr nullifies a lot of problems yeah a healthy kale mccarr takes care of all of those problems very easily home ice i mean it's important i guess but the abs have been better on the road this year yeah If anything, maybe you do just tank these last couple of games and start both these series on the road. It worked well for Tampa the last couple of years, too. But having Kale McCarr 100% is the most important thing. If it's game one of the playoffs, he plays. I don't think there's any question that that Kale McCarr is healthy enough to play right now. But at this point in the season, especially in games like the Sharks, do you really need to be playing Kale McCarr in these games? Why risk it? Maybe you see him against the Kings or the Oilers or something like that. I also wouldn't be surprised if he's not back till game one. And I don't, I really don't think that's that bad of an idea. Maybe, maybe if against Winnipeg and Nashville, you need a win to lock up the division. You probably see him play in those, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's, he plays against LA and Edmonton and those are his last two games. Yeah. I would not be shocked. 
I think it just depends on the situation where it's if it comes down to the last game against Nashville and he hasn't played in any game before that, maybe you just give him one just to get the legs back moving again and try to lock up the division. Because if you're already there, you might as well. Right. Right. I I agree, but it's really it's got to be healthy. Kale McCarr is the most important thing. Healthy every player that we, we can get. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's weird. Like that Detroit thing, like it just didn't seem like anything. And I don't, then this is kind of turned was, into a bigger thing yeah. than we, I thought it was going to be. I don't think it was just Detroit. Like, I think he did something and then he skated wrong on it in Detroit. Mm. That kind of messed it up a little more. It's not bad enough to keep him out, but it's not good enough where he is 100% Kale McCarr, where he's most effective with his skating. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked if the offseason rolls around and we hear Kale McCarr had like a procedure done on his knee. Like it would not shock me. I, it wouldn't shock me for any single person on this team <laughs> yeah. to, to finish the season and be like, yeah, I've separated my shoulder back in like January and I've been taking the entire team just is like lined up at the doctor getting the surgery. It's like, yeah, they blow a pole on their shirt. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of needle marks in here. I've just been getting pain killing injections yeah. uh, three times a game for the last several months. It's fine though. I'm going to get <laughs> surgery on it and fix it and everything. Everything's just going to be. And then we're talking game one and it's like the Colorado Eagles versus whoever we're facing just because everyone's still recovering from offseason surgery. Yeah. Maybe that's um, just what it's going to be for the next several years with this team is oh, this yeah. team is just so battered in the playoffs. And then the first half of the year is just, well, when these guys are healthy, this team's going to get better, right? Yeah. I mean, remember Devon Taves, I think it was last year, he had offseason surgery, he missed the first like 10 games of oh, the year. I totally forgot about that. But yeah. yeah, like even Val this season yeah. has been on and off after breaking his foot in the final and everything. I'm sure there's things that we don't even know are oh, there yeah. that are bothering this team, but just because people have been so hurt, people haven't been able to even step out of the lineup for even a yeah. day. But it, it's, I agree with you. I think if Kale McCarr is not a hundred percent for the playoffs, you're hurting your team more like yeah. than it, going and playing on the road. Like, right. And like, yeah, playing Dallas and or Minnesota in the first round isn't ideal but you're going to have to play one of them eventually if you're going to win. Like you can't run everything based on a We have to avoid this matchup. I know Seattle's easier, but that's not an easy matchup. Like that's you're, you have a much better chance at winning that than Dallas or Minnesota, but Seattle, like they've, they've just got that peskiness about them where they don't care. They're not, and again, perfect matchup for them to be playing the Avs, the defending champs. Nothing, nothing to lose. That is a pesky, pesky team. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And given uh, Seattle and Denver's history of teams meeting in the playoffs, I I don't love our chances in that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, but it's Kale McCarr gets healthy, Darren Helm healthy. Arturi Lekkinen healthy, Josh Manson healthy, Gabriel Landeskog healthy, yeah. Pavel Francouz healthy. And the That's good the news key. is pretty much all of the injured players are traveling with the team right now. Bednar has made it very clear that that does not mean anything and that they're all of them may not even play. Could see one, maybe. There's no indication on any one person over another, but they're all going, including Landeskog. Landeskog is definitely not going to play. The the Bednar believes said still not close but he's not going to play, but he's traveling. It's really just to get everyone integrated with the team again, I think, but it's at least good to see people there. Yeah. It's a full plane. Uh, it's a full plane. So that that's good news. Um, yeah. I, that That's weird that Bednar still saying Landis Gog's not close. We're literally two weeks away from the playoffs. So um, 
that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll get well game one. It's just gonna be like ah, all better. Yeah, he was hundred percent all of a sudden. Yeah. No, it'll be like two days before game one. Like he may play. He may and then, play, and then he'll have two games or two goals in game one. Yeah, so that's interesting. Josh Manson going is huge. Honestly, kind of kind of rude of the Avs to make these players like Landy miss Easter with his family. Kind of rude. Yeah, a little rude. But you <laughs> but know, I, he I, is being paid like eight million dollars a year, and he hasn't. Played I think a game they understand, yet, so. and you know, he's also probably spent a lot of time with his family yeah. over the last little while. I think they can afford the sacrifice <laughs> the not yeah i don't have a family so he's probably yeah. still gonna go on there but uh yeah it's good all those players are traveling um i honestly think the only one we could maybe see back is lekanen and i still don't think he plays till game one yeah like there's just no point why play him and if his finger is not 100 percent especially all it takes his once his style of play too screams re-injury yeah especially like I think it really does just come down to the situation at the end of the regular season where you're getting down to the last several games against Edmonton and Winnipeg and Nashville. Those last three games, if you need to win those games to lock up the division, I could see guys come back. But if you don't, or if another team pulls away at that point, like I I still think Manson, just because they said late March is probably going to be the first one back. I have no basis for that, but I don't know. It's it's just good to see that they're going on the trip at yeah. the least. It it would be um it would be funny if Lekkonen and Manson played before the end of the season just because none of us anticipated them playing before the end of the season. Um but the thing that's just the way Lekkonen plays, man, like that a broken finger for him scares me. But I had the same worries about Kadri and uh Cagliano and they were totally fine. So I mean maybe it, it, yeah, it maybe. was just a freak. Maybe not totally Accident. fine. Couple of painkillers, I'm sure, went into that for yeah. during the Stanley Cup final. Everyone's just going to magically be okay yeah. for Game One, and that when whenever our season ends in the playoffs, whether it's with a cup or otherwise, they're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to be able to move for the next three months. I'm going to get this major surgery that's probably going to keep me out for a little while, six months minimum." Yeah, yeah six we. Months. We joked last year about how, like, oh, none of these games mean anything. I kind of missed that. That was kind of low-key, like, nice that we could just, like, like exactly what Boston is doing right now. Just, like, we already have everything locked up. Boston's like, Boston's ridiculous that yeah. they are, they're doing what we did last year, except they're winning these games. When they're not trying to. Yeah. yeah, like, they're winning these games against, like, solid teams. Like, yeah, they're getting dragged to overtimes against Columbus and St. Louis. They're still winning. They're still nine and one in their last ten. It's so funny, it, and they're they haven't had Taylor Hall this whole time, and they're gonna get him back for the playoffs. They're it's ridiculous. It, it it's funny. I do miss that. Like it, it was nice last year, just being like, okay, we've got like three well, weeks. Was to it nice because people were freaking out whenever they we were freaking out? Game. But I'd rather be freaking out and knowing that we're not trying than like stressing out about a San Jose game at fucking eleven thirty at night. On a oh, Tuesday. 11, oh, 11.30, was that, was that too late <laughs> for you, my friend? It is, man. It is. But, like, that's that was low-key kind of nice. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, everything was already – like, we clinched the division, and everything was good. We clinched the conference. Like, life was good. Yeah, we, we clinched the division with, like, three weeks left. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And you know what's funny is, like, I didn't even I, – I forgot last year that Minnesota and St. Louis had, like, 114 points. Oh, like, yeah. they were really fucking good last year. <laughs> And the abs were just that much better. 
Yeah, I mean, where where were they last year? They were at 113 points for Minnesota, 109 for St. Louis. The ads were just at 119, and which could have been more if they actually wanted to get the President's Trophy, but they did not care at all. So that was great, but uh, let's uh, let's preview. Uh, I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on the San Jose game coming up tonight. I I think this is going to be an Avs blowout. I know they already said Capo Kakinen's going to get the start again. I'm just going to say there's probably a five percent chance he repeats what he did in the game on Tuesday. Um, I think the Avs. Uh, I think they win this game. I imagine JoJo gets the start in this game. You would think, right? You would think. I mean, you have the. The back-to-back coming up against L.A. and Anaheim. So you know JoJo's going to play against the Ducks again. I feel like at this point, I mean, Georgiev set the franchise record for road wins. He is well past his career high in games played. It's a little late to be worrying about burnout at this point because it's already there. But I imagine you want to lighten it a little bit. So maybe you give JoJo the start again. And I... After how JoJo's played, I'm not afraid of him starting anymore, and I don't think the team would be either. I I would think JoJo plays. I don't think it really changes a whole lot in this game. Might make the Avs show up a little more. I, I, honestly, the when JoJo's played, the Avs offense has been better. He's gotten like five goals in both games. So I, I would I would start JoJo in this game. I mean, just what, give Georgiev another day off before Saturday. Um Knowing Georgiev, he'll probably want to play just because it seems like what this has done for him has gotten him into a rhythm. Um, yeah, that and, might be the thing, too. I mean, only Georgiev knows. If Georgiev yeah. feels like he needs a break, he's going to get a break. If he feels good and like he should keep going, he, he's going to. Yeah. Whatever works best for him going into the playoffs, because he's, he's never really had to have that routine before of having right. to, to get his mind right going into the playoffs because he would know that I'm only coming in if like things have gone horribly wrong otherwise. And now he's going from that to being the guy. So whatever makes him the most comfortable is going to work just fine. Yeah. So I'm going to say either way, I think the abs win six, three. I I think probably five, two with maybe an empty netter in there as well. Miko, I he's got to hit 50. I think Miko gets two tomorrow. Yeah. He's going to hit 50. I hope he gets 51 as well, but surely two games in a row against the sharks. He's going to have probably another 15 shot attempts again. Surely oh, yeah. one of them's got to go in eventually. I don't Surely. think he's repeating that performance. And the Sharks might push early, but if this game's the same way it was 3-1 going into the third, I doubt they're going to have the energy to do this again. Yeah. So I, I like the Avs winning that one. Let's move on to the big game uh, on Saturday against the Kings. Um, Avs have not beaten the Kings yet this year. They haven't. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. The Kings are kind of sputtering right now a little bit. Like ever since we hyped them up, they've they've been kind of eh. Yeah, you can actually physically see the points in their schedule where we (laughs) said they're doing well. Because we said they're like, wow, this team looks really good after they beat Winnipeg and Calgary 8-2 and 4-1. Then 7-6 against St. Louis, lose 2-1 to Calgary, shut out by Edmonton. Two wins in a row against Seattle and Vancouver, and then they lose last night to Edmonton. So they're sputtering a little bit. They're going to play Vegas before they play us again. They've beaten the Avs twice. The first one, the Avs lost. The second one, the Kings won. I feel like that's a pretty fair assessment for those games. I think the Avs are due to beat them. Historically, they've done very well against the Kings. I think they're due to beat them at least once this season. It's on the road. 
Avs are better on the road for some reason, especially against good teams. I think the Avs win it. Probably going to end up being a close game. I say I think they take it four two. I think it's a two one overtime win. I'm fine uh, with I, one two as long I as I think you it's going to be points. Yeah, it, it's going to be tight. Um, L.A. is a good team, but they're sputtering right now. And I wouldn't even say sputtering. They're they're just kind of playing meh hockey. Uh, so I really think the Avs have a chance to beat them. They can take advantage of that. I just think it's a close game. I, just based off what we've seen from the Kings, they play a very disciplined defensive game. Uh, and I think the Avs will be up for that one. Hopefully Kale McCarr plays. If Kale McCarr plays in that one, it's a totally different story. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the Avs get it done in overtime two to one. I think this is like this game and Edmonton coming up are going to be our two like, okay, we're at, we're playoffs. Like we yeah. had Minnesota, we had Pittsburgh. Now it's like, okay, these are another two playoff games. Yeah, you really got to test how playoff ready you are in those games, especially because you're still in these races. You still got to win these games. It's not like it was at the end of the year last year where none of it matters, where winning these games actually does mean something. And you probably want to take advantage as best you can. I think they're going to win that game against LA. If they do have kill McCart, it makes a big difference. If they don't, you're hoping Bo Byram can step into that role with Taze and at least soften the blow a little bit. You go the next night against Anaheim. We already did this with them on second half of a back-to-back. The Ducks are just not very good. Yeah. Yeah. You you nailed it right on the head there. They are not very good. Um, Their effort in that last game was one of the worst efforts I've seen a hockey team put out. I can't imagine it gets much better two weeks later. It is very funny to look at two different teams of the spectrum. Like the Sharks still are trying. The Ducks do not care. They legitimately do not care. Um, You don't lose eight in a row if you're trying. Yeah. Like, it is – the effort is where you see the difference. Like, the Sharks last night were trying. Their forecheck was good. Like, they were pressuring the Avs. Their defense wasn't great, but they did a good job. Like, they were trying. Uh, The Ducks, I don't think, are going to try at all. Yeah. Actually, so, I also didn't I also didn't realize this. The Ducks are also gonna be on second half of a back to back. They're gonna be oh. they're gonna be in Arizona the night before. So the main advantage for the Ducks is gone in this Yeah. Game. I the only thing that concerns me is if the Ducks lose every game going into this, they will be on a 10 game losing streak. Do they lose every game for the rest of the season? I mean, maybe with how bad they play. The only thing that concerns me is you have to win a game eventually, right? Eventually, uh, but I don't think it's going to come against the Avs. I, I think the Avs took the Ducks lightly once this year, and they saw what happened. I don't think the Ducks can sneak up on the Avs again. Not at this point in the season, yeah. especially with how important every point is and playing the Kings the night before, maybe a bit of an adrenaline dump. I just don't think a trap game should exist at this point in the season. It's the last one you have on the schedule in terms of trap games, but I think the Avs are, are going to win this one. I I. They beat them 5-1 last time, I imagine, a, a pretty similar score. Uh, yeah, I'll go I'll go 6-1. Yeah, 6-1. I'll, say, I'll say 6-2 to be different. Maybe maybe even 6-3. I'm feeling generous. Ducks are going to get an extra one. Fair enough. Maybe Fair just enough. because. They could get crushed by the Coyotes in that game. They're before. very wrong. Well I mean, they're still scoreless with Edmonton right now. At after the first period in Arizona, I mean, 
I don't even know what their record is against the Ducks. I honestly don't care at all what their record is. Remember that them. like weird rivalry they had last year with like Jay Beagle and fucking yes, Zegers and, and Troy Terry? Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was weird. That was a weird time. But uh, the Avs have those two games. I'm really excited for the Kings one. I'm really excited for that game. Uh, that's going to be a blast. Um, and then the Ducks one is just going to be like such a letdown because it's going to go from like playoff intensity to playing the fucking ducks. Yeah. It's so, playoff intensity to this is where you test. It may, all, all it, of it's a good example of it right now. Cause Anna or Edmonton played LA last night in LA and now they're back in Edmonton, I believe for this game or are they think, in, I think it's in Anaheim. It's in Anaheim. So it, it, yeah. you're kind of getting a preview of the emotional dump in this one. So we'll wait and see. Um, as we close the show, there was something else we wanted to talk about. Um, and I think we've talked about it before, but it's, there was a tweet last night by Jesse from DMVR about all of the games missed by Avs key players. Um, and the fact that they are in first place is pretty fucking crazy. Um, and it's already written in stone that Jared Bednar is not going to win the Jack Adams this year. It's going to be Jim Montgomery, but this is the year that Jared Bednar should win it because he's actually had to, I'm not going to say actually, he coaches them very hard all the time, but this has been a coaching masterpiece with all of the players in and out of the lineup this year. Yeah. I, I can go through the amount of games missed for every player. Landis Gog, 76 games missed. Helm, 64. Josh Manson, 49. Byram, 38. Nachushkin, 29. McCarr, 16. Lekkinen, 14. Rodriguez, 14. McKinnon, 12. And all other random bits here in and here out. And yet right now, at the end of the season, even after they were pretty well out of it in January and February, the Colorado Avalanche at the top of the Central Division, and yet Jared Bednar is not going to get any love for the Jack Adams, which I, I just don't understand this award. I really don't. Because you look at the last several coaches that have won it, not a lot of them have lasted very long. Trotz has been a big one that got fired lately. Daryl Sutter is probably going to get canned this offseason after almost unanimously winning it last year. Rod Brindamore is still going to be around for a while. Cassidy's gone from Boston. Gerard Gallant's gone in Vegas. Holy crap, all of the guys outside of Rod Brindamore are no longer with their teams. And so. I think Rob Brendamore is one of the most overrated coaches in the NHL. You do not even get me. I like, like his team is uber talented and they just get, get he, this tag he, as the plucky underdogs all the time. Like that team is one of the most talented teams in the NHL. <laughs> he is, a, he is a very good coach. I'm absolutely going to give him that credit. He is a perfect coach for that team. He won the Jack Adams because he has great press conferences and he it has a lot of personality to him and makes games interesting, and he regularly yells slash spits on refs, which makes for some great gifts. Outside of that, are we putting him in best coaches of the league conversation? I per- I personally would not, but that does not mean he's not a great coach. He's not a good coach, but like it's just I the Hurricanes always get as these plucky underdogs. They've been one of the top teams in the league the past four years. Like That team is loaded. Like they don't have the superstar, but they have four really good lines and their defensemen are really good. Like it's just Jared Bednar gets penalized for the fact his team's so talented. You I can just, argue that I just don't understand why, because Jim Montgomery is going to win it this season. Yeah. 
And the argument against Bednar has been, well, he inherited this team. So the first season didn't mean anything to anyone. He just inherited the good team. And Jim Montgomery, in his first year with the Boston Bruins, didn't? I don't understand how any of that works. And what, Jared Bednar inherited the talent on a team he got hired for seven years ago? I, I don't get how that makes. Yeah, it's and, just... And it's like I've said, it's not even just Bednar. Like the fact that John Cooper hasn't won anything. The, the fact that Mike Sullivan at his peak didn't win anything in Pittsburgh. It's very, it's probably a good thing. Because what, what you just said is like, it seems like every Jack Adams award winner gets fired like a couple years after. So <laughs> and I think that's the problem with how we vote for the Jack Adams, because these are not the best coaches in the NHL. The guys who are winning these awards are not the best coaches in the NHL. Daryl Sutter is good for one year of whipping players back into shape and getting them to skate hard on defense. He wears thin very quickly. Cassidy was a weird firing, but apparently I guess the players were just tuning him out at that point. Trotz is gone from the Islanders. Gerard Gallant's gone from Vegas. The best coaches do not win this award. So what are we voting for here? I just don't understand how any of this works. And if there was ever a year for Bednar to win it, it's this one, a season where he lost important players in the offseason and has lost plenty of important players to injury where his captain has not played a single game this entire season and is missing key games from McKinnon and McCarr. Several of his important defensemen have missed more than half of the season. And I'm wondering if he's even going to get nominated. It's it's just ridiculous. Who who even are the nominations outside of Montgomery that people have been talking about? Because maybe Bednar gets one, but uh, it's got got to be Dave Haxtall. Haxtall has got to be on. Should be. He should be. Should like, be. That, that's genuinely one where, like, yeah, you know, he probably deserves that one. If anything, he he be my vote. Yeah, it's probably Haxtall and then Peter DeBoer, Lindy Ruff, maybe. Like, it's well, it's just who who's a new coach. Yeah, because that's how we vote for is it you're a new coach on a team that's doing well or your team is better than we expected. I I would probably lean more Lindy Ruff because no one really expected this from the Devils is probably going to be a finalist. Um, Another good coach I think is a damn good coach is Dom Granado for Buffalo. He's a damn good coach. He's not going to get nominated, but I don't think anyone expected the Sabres to be in playoff contention going into the final two weeks of the season. Like they had a chance before they lost to Florida. Um, but I think it's probably going to be Lindy Ruff, Jim Montgomery and Pierre DeBoer. That'd be annoying. Maybe Bruce Cassidy. If DeBoer, if the avalanche finish over Dallas and DeBoer gets coach of the year nomination over Bednar like that, like that's bias at that yeah. point, you're just avoiding Bednar. I think my top would probably be it's Montgomery. I forgot you said Hackstall, and I completely agree with that. Hackstall and then Lindy Ruff, and then Bednar is probably fourth. Yeah, I'd I'd put Ruff on that list as well. Hackstall's done a good job. Montgomery has too. It's just, can we give Jared Bednar some love here? The guy has done a fantastic job with this team this season and just won a freaking cup. Is that not coach of the year worthy? I don't get it. I outside of like the the heart and the Ted Lindsay's voted by the players or is that voted by the media members too the Ted Lindsay for most outstanding player I believe is players yeah so like the Ted Lindsay award and the heart are really like the only trophies that I think really 
you can agree that it goes to the best player that year. Yeah. Um, most of the time. Most of the except, time. Except when the abs are involved. Yeah, except when the abs are. I mean, the Norris last year went to the best defenseman in Kale McCarr. Um, it, it's just that's the flaw with the media being the ones who vote for this. That's why I take more seriously what the NHLPA, what the players think, because the players are the ones who really like that's who should determine who wins these awards is the players. Why? And what the weirdest thing about the NHL awards, like why did GMs vote for the Vesna? Like that is the most random thing of all time that like media votes for all the other awards, but randomly general managers vote for the best goalie. Is that not weird? It, it is weird. I, yeah, it's very weird. Like it's just, it's so random. Like why do yeah. we do that? It should just be let the players vote for those awards and then give them out, and that's who wins. But you can't take away the media's because the media. I mean, I think I think it makes sense to have the media do it. It shouldn't be the players' responsibility to be handing out awards. It's not their job to be watching everyone else's games. But I just I think the mindset around some awards has got to change, especially with the Jack Adams yeah. and like GM of the year too. It's like are are you? In the conference final, congratulations, you're nominated. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually cool with that. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. It's like, but it's also Lou Lamorello won in back-to-back years over Very Jared Bednar and Breeze. Or Walker. Joe Sackick, Joe Sackick, not Jared Bednar. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, I'm, on, I'm <laughs> on my, I'm on my Bednar rant right now. But yeah, he got nominated over Joe Sackick and Breeze Bois and all the other GMs that actually did a good job at building their teams. And he like traded for Pajot and got goaltending into the the third round and one back-to-back GM of the year. I'm so glad people don't put stock in GM of the year. Uh, uh, well, I, I put stock in when Joe Sackett wins it. Yeah. When he wins it because he yeah. actually deserves it. Yeah. So but G- um, my take is that GM of the year is the Stanley cup. That's the award. That's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, there was something else I just wanted to freaking say and I forgot it. Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. If I ever got an MVP vote, I would just I, I would make a mockery of the award. I would vote just the most random ballot. Like it never give it. me an MVP vote. You can do it once. You can one time have the worst ballot of all time. Oh, like I, I would just make a mockery of the award um, because it, it really is like it, it's hilarious. like, imagine if you voted fucking uh, Dallas Eakins as coach of the year. And that was your one ballot. <laughs> you put Dallas Eakins as the number one the coach of the year like that shit would be i i would love that like make like a, a razzies for like the worst like who do you think's been the least valuable player this year like give that the award least, out to a player the least valuable coach my opinion's paul maurice i think that uh, i don't know dallas eakins is pretty terrible yeah i'm there's no argument for me that dallas eakins has done a t- terrible job with the ducks this year but the Panthers should be way better than they are. Yeah, they should be. But also we knew that this was going to happen. So I, I don't really blame them. Like that would be fun if we like, maybe that's what we do in the off season. Who was the least valuable player? Yeah. Like least valuable player. Who was the worst coach, worst general manager, worst goaltender, worst goaltender. Uh, it's been either Markstrom. It's been actually Elvis Merzlikens has been oh. far away the worst goalie. So uh, th- that's an off-season idea. Let's let's put that in the bank for for yeah. for later because we'll that would we'll, be very funny. We'll write that down for later. But yeah. that's that's our Jack Adams rant for now, and I'm sure we'll have another one when the Jack Adams actually gets handed out again, or when they announce the the nominations for it. Because if Bednar's not on it, I genuinely don't know what else you want from the guy. 
I don't either. I don't either. But I, I wanted to get that out because we had talked about it. And I was like, we're not going to forget to talk about this. No, because then it's just going to bubble up in me until next episode. And it's yeah. going to be a much worse rant. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't think I have anything else, man. No, I think we're all good for this one. The Avalanche, as it stands right now, are first place in the Central Division, and they've got three games before our next episode to lock that down. We should look at some of Minnesota and Dallas's upcoming schedule. Before Sunday, Minnesota will be on the road to play Pittsburgh and back at home to play St. Louis. Dallas, um, if I can find them real quick, Dallas will play Vegas. the Flyers on Thursday and Vegas on Saturday. Kind of sucks how much we have to cheer for the Golden Knights lately, yeah. but they did a massive favor for us against Minnesota, only giving Minnesota one of four points in those matchups, which has put the abs right back in this. Need to just do it one more time for us. Just one more time. You got to beat the Stars in Dallas. You can have the top spot in the West, whatever. We don't really care at this point. Just do that for us and we'll be fine. Don't like having to cheer for Vegas, but they're doing a good job for us lately. So the Avs are going to play one of their games in hand before our next episode, and hopefully they can have a pretty, at least a two-point lead going into the final week of the season. So yeah. uh, it, the winning the West is not out of the realm of possibilities, but it's very unlikely. It's Right now you have two games in hand on Vegas, and you are six points back. So you'd still need them to lose one and prob- you pro- you have to win out. I think it's that simple. It's like if you lose one, maybe you still have a chance, but you you need help. You need help to win the West. If you win out, you have a shot. That's really the only way at this point. And it's not that big a deal. Just win the Central and we'll be good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because, I mean, going into the playoffs, like we talk about all these semantics and everything. Once you get to the playoffs, you throw all this shit in the trash. Seeding, how hot you were coming in, all the regular season shit. You throw that right in the garbage. None of it matters anymore. You go into the playoffs, a team that came in hot loses in five all the time. There's there's stuff out there that none of this matters at all. Seeding doesn't matter. If you get the top spot and home ice advantage, doesn't matter. Just play well in the playoffs. That's all. All that matters. So yeah. let's uh, let's send these people on their merry way, man. Yeah. So again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It abs it is shout out to our guy caden for winning the bracket challenge and winning himself a jersey and thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go abs